0: Does OBJ's contract with the Baltimore Ravens give us any insight into what Lamar might be thinking? That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Tuesday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Huber, back with you here once again on the show. Hope everybody is having a great start to their Tuesday. Another Lamar Jackson esque episode here on the show. The Baltimore Ravens. The topic of conversation here on the show today. We're learning a little bit more about Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract, and we're gonna we're gonna pontificate here as your word of the day on what that might mean for Lamar Jackson's future uh, in Baltimore. Because I will say that as we wake up today here on a tuesday we move ourselves closer to the nfl draft we get closer and closer 16 days now we are inside 16 days almost inside of two weeks till the nfl draft it's pretty quiet today on a tuesday now i say that knowing that the moment i post the podcast something will happen and we'll have to make that the topic of tomorrow's show but really i mean there's a greg Newsom. uh Trade request that's floating out there with the Browns, but that feels very early on to discuss here on the show. But again, pretty quiet other than the fact that the Ravens make a big move for Odo Beckham Jr., and everyone is wondering what that means uh, about Lamar Jackson's future with the Baltimore Ravens. We'll start with the OBJ contract part of this, and then we will hop into the Lamar part of this. And again, we've got the live YouTube chat joining us here on the show that I'm sure they will derail us throughout the course of uh, the show here today. We start with... Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract, and I and I say this to the listeners out there in the podcast feed, the listeners out there, the watchers out there in YouTube land. I saw a tweet doing prep for the show this morning that talked about Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract, and I'm going to read the 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 uh, the tweet to you it's from Howard Balzer, who uh, covers the Cardinals locally here in Arizona uh, and has been a. Um, NFL media reporter for a very long time. This was his tweet yesterday, and I was kind of shocked when I saw this this morning because of the the cap part of it, but because of what he says here at the beginning. As suspected, there are four void years in Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract, making his cap charge $3.932 million this year. The void years push $11.068 million in prorated bonus charge to beyond this year. We are now, apparently adding void years to one-year contracts. That's what we're doing. We have one-year contracts, and we're adding four void years to the deal to be able to prorate out the bonus to save our cap for year one. This is the new mechanism that teams are using because I have the contract up on overthecap.com. They prorate the bonus out over four other additional void years after this year. Which means, from a cap perspective, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to cost the Ravens more in 2024, not playing for them potentially, than he is playing for them in 2023. Now, I know there are going to be people out there that say, oh, this is just another example of what teams do to kind of, you know, circumnavigate the cap and circumvent and just kind of... uh, play shell games and move the money under a different cup. I don't understand this whatsoever. I really don't. It's a one-year contract. It's a one-year commitment. I know you would have all the money in year one, but then that means you have all, all, all that money available to you in future years. Instead, you're committing yourself to $11 million against the cap. 4.3% of your cap is going to be tied up in a guy that's not going to play for you next season. That does not feel weird to a lot of people. Now, if you sign a guy to a two, three, four-year deal, you want to add two void years on the end, okay, we're going to get some value here. What if OBJ's not very good? What if it takes him a little bit to come back from a health perspective? What if he gets hurt again? Now you get nothing for him in 2023. And, oh, by the way, you've now added a massive bill in 2024. The salary cap is like using credit cards and then balance transferring down the road. We've talked about this in the past with what the Saints have done. We've talked about this in the past with what the Rams have done, with what a lot of these teams do and how they maneuver money around the cap. They treat it like a credit card. And anytime they're balanced, their credit limit reaches the max, they just open a new credit card, they balance transfer, poof. Now they've got all this money that they're able to spend in the in the you know in the short term. Braden says OBJ could honestly be on two more teams if you wanted to be by the time you hit the final void year. Yeah, know. I will tell you, Braden, the way the contract looks on OverTheCap.com, there's no cap number in 25, 26, and 27. That's just what they're doing to prorate the bonus out and beyond 2023. Right. So he doesn't count against the cap, at least according to the, the contract that I'm looking at on the other screen here on over the cap He doesn't count towards the cap in 25, 26, and twenty seven. He does count towards the cap in twenty four to the tune of eleven million dollars. He counts for one point eight percent of the cap this year, four point three percent of the cap next year. That's the difference to not play for the Baltimore Ravens. Michael says the perception around the Ravens by free agent wide receivers has been brutal for years. They were always going to need to overpay to turn the tides and finally land someone. Glad they finally uh, bit the bullet. Now, Michael, I I mean, I I understand the point that you're making. I don't know if I would describe this as an overpay, more so that I would describe this as a very, very peculiar way to construct a contract for a guy that's only going to play for you for one season. If you sent him to do a two-year deal, you wanted to add two void years on the back, okay, I can, I can get on board with that. You're going to get two years of value. You're getting one year for Odell Beckham Jr. Now you lower the cap to 3.9 gives you opportunity to do something. But overall, let's look at it from this perspective. Because the guaranteed money is 15. The contract rating ranking, according to OverTheCap.com, Over is 22nd out of 298. Now I'm going I'm to sort by annual average value to see where he fits in. He fits into the Cortland Sutton, Allen Robinson, Hunter Renfro with the people in front of him. He's ahead of Corey Davis, Michael Gallup, Curtis Samuel. That feels about right for where Odell Beckham Jr. is in his career. And there's probably some value in that. So I don't have a problem with the $15 million. I don't have a problem with the escalators that get him to $18 million. We saw what Odell Beckham Jr. was for the Rams in that Super Bowl run. It was a major part of the reason why they were there. It was a major part of why they were doing well in that game before he got hurt, right? I just... Uh, to me, uh, signing up for $18 million isn't the problem. It's this cap magic that's a little weird to me. Tuttle says all the sleight of hand for the cap, but they just watch the Tariq Woolens of the world pass them behind the draft. It's kind of a false equivalency there, but I get your point is that we, we, we do all this. We do all this hard work over here to try to just do sleight of hand for the cap, but we don't do the hard work and we let good players pass us by in the draft, right? I think that's that's generalizing a little bit. They are doing um, the hard work. And I think Tariq's an interesting name to, to invoke here because he had such a good rookie season. But I think the the concerns that led him to be available to the, to the Seahawks where he was, because remember, the Seahawks also passed on him a couple of times. Uh, the reasons that allowed Tariq Willen to get to that point was he went to a small school, was a converted wide receiver, had only been playing corner for what one season at that point, so there were some concerns about what that transition was going to look like to the NFL level. But uh, in speaking to him, you could tell he was excited um, about playing corner at the next level. You could tell he had a very good understanding of the transition. Talked about how much playing wide receiver helped him at the corner position. I mean, uh, you know, we did an interview here at the Draft Network uh, talking to Tariq, and I was the producer for that interview. We got a chance to, to talk to them before, after, and during, and you know, it was a whole run was one of our guys after having that conversation so but I understand the point total we do all this hard work over here and we can kind of make some silly mistakes on the other side of this but yeah I don't have a problem with the contract I don't have a problem with the 18 million dollars I, 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 problem's too big of a word but just it's it's peculiar to me and then Howard Balzer in his tweet says, as is suspected suspected we suspected this this is what we thought this is the new operating norm in the NFL for one-year contracts that's what we do we kick the can down the road, we give ourselves a bigger bill. That's like eating the meal and then saying I'll pay on the next visit, but I won't get anything. I'll just I'll just come in and I'll pay the bill. So you go into a nice fancy restaurant, you sit down, you say, "Um, waiter, I would like to just pay for Hold on, I want to make the analogy very accurate here. Stand by. I want to if we're going to do if we're going to do the bit, we're going to do it correctly here on the show. I'm going to pay for 1.8% of the bill. And then when I come back next time, I'm not going to get anything. I'm just going to come in, say hello, greet everybody, and I'm going to pay the remainder of the bill. Pay the remainder of the bill then. That's what the Baltimore Ravens are doing. They're eating the meal, but they're not paying for the full bill. They're going to pay for it later when there's no meal. It's absurd to me. It's absurd that this is the way we do things in the National Football League. Now, there are teams that do this very well, and they do it in a way that allows them Uh, to structure contracts and restructure contracts and play around with, with the way contracts are structured to give them maximum flexibility. Again, the standard bearer of this is the way Patrick Mahomes' contract is structured in the short term. It's a great contract. There's ways for the Chiefs to get out of it down the road if they need to. Uh, but it also gives them great flexibility to be able to build a roster. So I'm not poo-pooing the idea of being creative and having your cap gurus, uh, your cap guys, your cap gals, whoever's running that department of your front office from doing whatever is possible to give you the most cap in a given season. I just think now we're, do- we're overdoing it a little bit. I don't think this is something we need to explore. One-year deals that we're adding void years onto. And again, I, I've read the book on you know, crunching numbers, which is by Jason at overthecap.com. Uh, I've read the book. I have a pretty good understanding of a lot of the way this cap stuff works. I will tell you, I don't understand how we can add void years in 25, 26, and 27 and prorate the bonus out, but then not count towards the cap for anything. Uh, then they're not. Then why are they years on the contract? They're years on the contract to be able to prorate the bonus out, but you're not paying them anyway. There's no get. Ga- Very confused. I, I need I need somebody to sit me down and explain how that mechanism works. Very, very weird uh, on how that operates. Okay, I I didn't think we were going to go 10 minutes on this topic. I didn't think Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract was going to take us to the 10-minute portion of the show, but there is a lot to unpack here. And again, the way this is structured is very, very weird. But again, 22nd is where Odell Beckham Jr. ranks. I don't have a problem with the price. I just have a problem or a little bit of an issue with the way that this is structured. Now, the important leap that people were making, the important leap that people were making after this Odell Beckham Jr. contract was, well, what does this mean for Lamar Jackson's future? Uh, and, and Michael, you know, asks a follow-up question to the contract discussion that we were just having, but it also could tie into what we're about to talk about with Lamar Jackson. He says, do you take this as the Ravens going all in on 23 or just not wanting a huge sinker year void penalty or both? I'm not in that room. I, ha- I don't have those contacts. I don't have those conversations, but Michael, my guess is it's probably a combination of the two, right? They want to create maximum flexibility for 2023 so that they can kind of all in's probably strong of a word while they're dealing with this Lamar stuff, and again, that's why these these things tie in. But they are probably going to try to be competitive and compete, and also saying, you know what, we have maybe they have the, the the flexibility in future years to where they're willing to 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 bite the bullet and pay the bill down the road. And I'm going to look right now at what their future cap uh, considerations look like. Uh, going into 2024, they have $67 million in, in cap space right now, and that's with Odell Beckham Jr.'s $11 million already on the books. So they felt like, we don't want a huge single-year void penalty, so we will kind of spread this out a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll pay the cap down the road. We don't have to pay it all in year one. We can keep our maximum flexibility for 2023. But everybody saw this, and they thought, hmm, that's got to mean something about Lamar Jackson. And I will tell you, a lot of the context clues... Tell us that that's the case. Odo Beckham Jr. talking to Lamar Jackson. Odo Beckham Jr. in his Instagram post uh, announcing that he was signing with the Ravens. His son wearing a Lamar Jackson jersey. And again, I've said this. I think I said it here yesterday. It was either, in the, it was either on the show or in the post show where we were talking about it. I forget exactly where, but I know I said it uh, in our, uh, our overreaction Monday meeting in the TD and Premium Discord. But we talked about the fact that either Odell Beckham Jr. is the biggest optimist in the world Or he knows something that we don't. Those are the only two buckets I think this falls into. And then I saw some reporting that uh, Odo Beckham Jr., Lamar Jackson, celebrating that he was coming to the Baltimore Ravens. Celebrating in Miami, I believe is what I saw. They were seen in Miami celebrating uh, the the wide receiver signing. There was reports from um, the NFL Network that Lamar actively recruited Odo Beckham Jr. to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I will tell you, that makes a lot of sense. We understand how those things fit together, right? Odo Beckham Jr. signing a one year deal is probably only doing so with Baltimore if he knows Lamar Jackson's going to be there. Them talking makes sense. Him signing there makes sense if he knows that, that Lamar's going to come back. But the question that I will ask this group, rhetorically, to those of you in the podcast feed who can't answer immediately, but to the rest of you in the chat, In the YouTube chat. Do you feel today, with Odell Beckham Jr. signing with the Baltimore Ravens, do you feel more confident, less confident, or the same about Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens coming to terms on a long term contract extension? Because that's the crux of this. I know the non exclusive tag is on Lamar. And I know that all of this news points us in the direction of him coming back. But I don't think he's going to play under the tag which means they're going to have to come to terms on a long-term deal. And they feel very far apart in what they're asking. Now, I will tell you, we don't know what Lamar Jackson is asking. There's no agent that's potentially leaking things to the media so that we can get an idea or put pressure on Baltimore because that's an agent helps you in a, in a bunch of different ways, right? An agent can help you get context on what what contract demands are. That agent's going to do the work to figure out what the contract demands can be, what they think is reasonable. They're going to negotiate on your behalf. They're going to be that buffer between team, and front office, coaches, and player, right? Uh, this is like where in the arbitration uh, situation in the National Football, in the Major League Baseball, is tough because the player basically has to sit in a room and, and watch his team talk bad about him. The agent in this case, in a contract, is supposed to be that buffer, But also, the agent can use the media to their advantage. An agent can use the media to influence, can do it to put pressure, can do it to leak contract demands to, again, put pressure to influence to make it known what they're looking for in a contract. That's what an agent can do. We don't know any of that for Lamar. We don't know what he's asking for, right? He's representing himself. We don't know what currently Baltimore's asking offering, We know what Baltimore offered back in the beginning of the year. We know what it was at the beginning of the season. It was like $200 million. It was $133 million guaranteed, but it was basically a three-year $133 million guaranteed contract. Those guarantees would beat a lot of contracts. Um, the total money, two hundred million, was a little lower than Kyler's. And again, when you compare this to other contracts that have been given out, compare it to Kyler's contract, compare it to Josh Allen's contract, I don't think he's going to reach Mahomes' value. I don't know if he's going to. He's not going to get the fully guaranteed that um, Deshaun Watson got. I mean, these are all things that factor in, and these are things that having an agent would help you kind of decipher. And really, you know, selfishly would give us context because something would leak in that regard, but nothing's leaking because I don't know what kind of conversations are going to be are 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 being had right now. Uh, Michael says, Think Lamar comes back on the tag in May. Once post-draft offer sheets don't impress, then a the deal gets worked out either in the summer or after the season. I, I think that's some wishful thinking. Um, are there offer sheets right now that are impressing? Right? I-, I feel like if a team had an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson, we would hear about it. Now, or post-draft post in May, the only teams that enter the fray that are not currently in the fray are the Dolphins, the 49ers, and the Rams. Those are your three teams that enter the fray that are are currently not available to be in the fray because they don't have a 2023 draft pick to offer. So look at those three teams. Do you think those three teams are going to dramatically shift the way this operates? Maybe. I'm skeptical. The Dolphins did pick up the fifth-year option for Tua. I think they would be the team most likely to explore it. I don't know if San Francisco would. I don't know if the Rams would. So that's, you know, those are the only three teams you're adding to the bucket. Uh, Tuttle says I expected him to stay before I'd lean that the signing helps I would agree I think this point points in the direction of him staying but again I think it he could also sit out that's certainly a possibility if he doesn't I don't think he's going to play under the attack I really don't it's 32 million dollars and he we just did this last year um, where he you know wanted a contract and you know, was hurt at the end of the year, and I think he's going to look at that and say, I- I'm not going to play when there's no guarantee for my future beyond the, the current season. I'm not saying that he did that, but I think now that it happened and that he was hurt and it forced him to miss time at the end of the year and he wasn't able to play in a playoff game, I think he's going to recognize the fact that, like, hey, if if beyond this season is not guaranteed for me and there's not a-, a-, a lot of money guaranteed for me with the way that I play, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue to do this. Uh, Braden says, I guess I feel the same in the Ravens' ceiling. I just wonder if Lamar were to get a deal to stay, if it's somewhat of a short-term rather than long-term. And I wonder, the more this drags on, the more conversations that we have here, I wonder if the Baltimore Ravens go to Lamar and approach him with a short-term, fully-guaranteed offer. We've seen this. I mean, Kirk Cousins got a fully-guaranteed contract from the Minnesota Vikings. It was just shorter deals, three years. They could go and approach Lamar with a short-term, three-year, fully-guaranteed contract. What's that number going to look like? Forty million dollars a season, which is the going rate right now. Daniel Jones just got forty. is three one twenty. It was three one thirty three in the contract in September, and he didn't want that. So, what's the number going to look like for Lamar to be interested? Uh, again, not not arguing, just pointing out. I, I think the important steps and logic that we need to take here in order to to think this out. These are important questions that, that need to be answered, and I'm sure they're they're having, uh, they're having these conversations. Shout out to Heldy, welcome into the uh, the live stream here, the TDN daily live stream. Uh, he says the same. I still think it gets done eventually. If I were to guess, I think Lamar caves on less guarantees rather than the Ravens caving to Lamar. I just find it hard to believe that a quarterback of his profile will change teams off of a rookie deal. It just doesn't happen. The signing certainly doesn't sway things significantly in any direction. I think I largely agree. I think I'm neutral on this. Um, we asked yesterday, uh, what were the percentage chances that he signs, um, that he that he takes snaps for uh, the Baltimore Ravens week one of the season? that He's the starting quarterback under center week one, taking snaps for the Baltimore Ravens, and I was originally 50-50 because I'm still skeptical that uh, he would play under the tag, which would mean a long-term contract, and they feel so far apart that I don't know how they're going to be able to bridge the gap. Um, I walked it down a little bit um, to like 25% because, again, I have a lot of questions about what Lamar's at, and these are genuine questions. I think Lamar is an otherworldly talent. I would pay Lamar a lot of money. A lot of money to be my quarterback. And my team right now currently still in the market for a quarterback, despite the Aaron Rodgers trade not being finalized. I would pay Lamar Jackson a lot of money. But if teams aren't going to give him a fully guaranteed deal, and he wants a fully guaranteed deal, and that's the impasse, I don't know how they break through that. I don't know what number is above what's been offered he's going to want. Josh Allen got a six-year $250 million contract. I think only $100 million of it was guaranteed. Would Lamar sign that? Would Lamar sign the Kyler Murray deal? Five years, two hundred and thirty and a half million dollars. With I forget what what um, Kyler Scott guaranteed. I think it's a hundred for him as well. When he signed that deal. If the answer to that question is no, then this is a, this is a tough this is a tough impasse to break. Right, it's tough. Healthy asks, do we think Hurt signing before Lamar would help or hurt the Ravens? I personally think it would help them, considering from everything I've heard, the deal will be more Mahomes-esque than Watson-esque. I am of the belief. This was another question that we asked in the TD and Premium Discord yesterday, and we kind of talked about it. Uh, cheap plug, if you haven't, we did a show last week where we talked about what these contracts would look like for Herbert, for uh, for Burrow, for Jalen Hurts, the, the name that you invoke there, healthy. And I think the, the way that I would respond to that is I think it would help the Ravens, and I think it would hurt Lamar in this context. I think those three guys, Hurts, Burrow, Herbert, are all not going to sign fully guaranteed contracts. They are not going to sign Deshaun Watson-esque deals. So, if three other big marquee free agent, or, or excuse me, marquee franchise quarterbacks get contract extensions, those numbers are going to help Lamar kind of recontextualize the market. But if those guys don't sign fully guaranteed deals, I think that hurts Lamar because then he continues to be on an island of he wants to join Deshaun as the only two players to get the the uh, a long term fully guaranteed contract extension. And again, you want to call it collusion. You want to call it all the owners getting together and, and not wanting to to sign fully guaranteed deals. Again, you got to prove that in a court of law. I would largely agree that there's probably something going on in that capacity. But since we don't know, we can't really say with certainty. But if that's the reality we live in and that's what Lamar wants and he's not going to budge off that demand, we don't know if that's what Lamar wants. We don't know if that's a demand he's unwilling to 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 come off of, right? We don't know again if you had an agent the agent could leak no we're not we're not looking for a fully guaranteed contract we're not we're not fully committed to that being the only path to us having a long-term contract extension again another reason why an agent would help uh, but I I think this point moving forward I don't know how much an agent would help I think the relationship is in such a dire place from you know all of it. I mean, he requested a trade requested a trade from the team um but I do think Hertz Herbert and Burrow signing contracts, um, would help the Ravens because it would give them more numbers to point to and say, "Hey, we'll give you something close to this. We'll give you something close to this. But what about this?" I mean, that's the direction that they could potentially go in. Um, again, I think this the Oda Beckham Jr. news keeps it as a, at a neutral, but don't think that they didn't talk, and don't think that Lamar probably told him, "Yeah, you know, I'm hoping to work things out, and we'll see if they're able to work things out." Again, I don't, th- I don't see things getting done, and I've been wrong. St- I admit when I'm wrong on this show all the time. I have been wrong on this story at every single turn. I thought he would have signed before the season began last year. I thought they were going to get to a. I thought they were going to find a way to get to a deal before the, the tag. I did not think they were going to put the non exclusive tag on. Him. I mean, I have been wrong at every single turn of this story. So I'm going to say that he doesn't sign between now and the draft. Fully telling you that I've been wrong at every turn of this story. So all I'm doing is making a prediction that more than likely is not going to come true because my track record on this story is about 0 for a million. If you were paying quarterbacks, where would Lamar stack up with the other three Do for deals in your rankings, not how it would actually pay out? Um, For me, I would go Burrow, Hurts, Lamar, Herbert. Paying them in in that order. And I think all four should be in the upper tier of quarterback. Pay from a pay scale perspective. Um, I think Burrow and Hurts get pushed towards the top because they have um, great championship-esque pedigrees, right? Both have been to a Super Bowl. I think the leaps that Jalen Hurts has made as a passer is something that should should not go unnoticed. What he does to a- adds in the run game is also massive. Burrow's taken his team um, deep into the playoffs a bunch has been to a Super Bowl. And so that that championship pedigree, that that winning a conference championship, going to a Super Bowl. And again, I know they didn't win Super Bowls. That's a knock against them. But I don't think the reason why those two teams lost the Super Bowl was because of their quarterback play, right? So I think those two are first. I think Lamar is a former MVP. I think he's a unicorn at the position. I think he does things that make it really tough on defenses to be able to scheme for you. Um, and when he's, when he's healthy, when he's playing, he's one of the more dynamic players at the position. Herbert, I love Herbert. I think Justin Herbert... Um, I think Justin Herbert's exceptional. Doesn't have the track record that those other guys do. So if I have to pay him right now, and I'm comparing him to the other guys in this bucket, he doesn't have the resume. He's very talented. Um, I, I think this year's going to be really decisive for him in terms of the narrative set around Justin Herbert. But for me, he would be fourth. And again, still think he should be paid as a top six player at the position when we're talking about these four guys i think they all should draw in there uh says eric takasa has taken a really strange direction for this process i've never been a fan of him like the media has been but to see all of these defenders sign high profile deals with baltimore before lamar is a tough look yeah it's a tough look for everybody this is not a great situation i mean baltimore fans don't aren't enjoying this the baltimore front office isn't enjoying this lamar is not enjoying this this is a lose 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 situation across the board it is in the best interest of all three sides to be able to come together and get a long-term deal done if they aren't, the best thing in everybody's situation would be able to find a trade partner. But again, that non exclusive tag the non-exclusive tag kind of complicates what they could get back in the deal. And teams are so afraid that the Ravens are just gonna match whatever is signed by Lamar with another team. And so it's just a lose 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 lose, lose, lose situation across the board. And again, I don't see it really uh, getting done with anytime soon. Uh, all right, that's going to be it for the podcast feed listeners of the show. Appreciate you guys making this show a part of your day. Please rate, review, subscribe. Come and join us on the YouTube side of things, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We go live on YouTube a little bit early. We do the pre-show. You guys hear the recording of the show, and then we have the post-show shenanigans where it's kind of a free-for-all. Uh, we continue to- the discussion on the topics on the show, but everything else gets kind of get thrown in there as well. So please rate, review, subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. Come on and join us sometime this week over on the pod uh, over on the youtube feed the draft network on youtube 11 a.m eastern standard time i hope everybody has a great rest of their tuesday i will talk to you all tomorrow